for there to be healing, it has to be safe. You can't be judged. You can't be shamed. You can't be, you know, it's got to be a place that's just safe, you know, and that nobody's forcing you to change or saying that you're not welcome unless you change. You're only welcome under these conditions or, you know, you got to clean up your act before you come to church. Well, what the heck was Jesus for, you know? I mean, Jesus was, that was not what Jesus was about at all. And you saw that people flocked to Jesus that were downtrodden and hurting and broken. And actually next week our, our topic is going to be about what's so amazing about grace and the grace of God, because that's what that's all about. But we're in the Spread the Love series. This is what this is all about. And... Um, Today I want to talk about, I'm going to focus on one of my very favorite uh, verses of scripture, and I'm calling it Help Wanted, and that's because I don't think, I want to help you to see how much you're needed, and how much of a difference that you can make, and how much the world needs each and every one of you to engage, and to want, and to care and to be compassionate and to follow in the steps of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, um, help wanted. So if you can turn, if you have Bibles, turn to Matthew 9, verse 35. We're also on the YouVersion app, and uh, if you want to look that up under Searchlight Fellowship, uh, you can look that up if you have the Bible app, or if you're lazy, you can just look up there. No. <laughs> Not lazy, not lazy. But if you want, you can take notes, too. I'm going to be asking you some questions as we go that I want you to think about. Um, Matthew 9 and verse 35, this is one of my most favorite, favorite verses of Scripture. It drives me. Um, I think about it all the time. And um, in verse 35, it says, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel or the good news of the kingdom, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, for they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest." So I want to kind of break this, these verses down because there's just so much meat in them. For one, if you look at what Jesus was doing in his ministry, he was teaching, he was preaching, which is sort of declaring the good news. He was healing everything. And again, I keep wanting to remind you, over and over, the Bible says that Jesus didn't turn anybody away for healing. There's not anybody. I really want people to get this. He healed every disease. He was not only able, but he was willing to heal every disease, <clears throat> every sickness and every disease. Then in verse 36, it says, but when he saw the multitudes, now get a picture of multitudes in your brain. It says he was moved with compassion and the, com the word compassion is, is understanding what others are going through and being driven to do something about it. So it's having, I, I usually I write down the definition for it, but that's basically what the definition of it is. Now this is interesting because it's not looking at one person. 
He's looking at multitudes. I don't know if there's hundreds or thousands, but multitudes, crowds, groups of people. How often do you think about masses of people and look and see, wow, there's people hurting, there's a need. You know, I did this because this verse is so lights a fire in my heart. Because I see the world differently now than I used to. I, I remember, I do this pretty often. I look at crowds. I look at crowds. And I did it once. It was really interesting at Disneyland, which is supposed to be the happiest place on earth. Right? You know, you'd expect of all the places in the world, the happiest place on earth, you would expect to see faces of people that look happy. And I so saw this verse come alive. I looked into faces and saw people that were hurting, that were lonely. I just, there was deadness in people's faces. There was weariness, for sure. He's saying that he saw people that were weary, that were tired. I saw people that were tired in life. And I'm telling you, when I see that, it burns in my heart. I want to do something about it. I don't want to just look and go, oh, how sad is the world? Like, really, does that really do a lot of good? You can sit there. The world sucks a lot, doesn't it? It really, look around. You could get depressed really easily. Have you ever done that? Looked around at the need and the hurt and just gone, this is depressing. Now, how much help is that? Zip. What we want to do. Jesus saw the fate. For one, he noticed. I love that he noticed and he saw what was going on in people's hearts and lives, and he cared. Cared enough to say, I want to do something. He was driven to say, I want to do something about this. And then what he says, he says that they're tired and lost, beat up from life. And lost, and it says that they're just like wandering, scattered, because they don't have a shepherd. Sheep without a shepherd. Now, I want to look at that, too, because we don't really relate. We're not an agricultural land so much. Silicon Valley, not all farmers here. Um, But sheep are defenseless creatures. They can't do nothing. They can't run that fast. You know, it's just sort of like they can't bite. I mean, it's just really sheep. You know, without a shepherd, sheep are lost people, lost sheep, not people. Defenseless, they've got nothing to fight back with. And I've got to say, we think maybe we got a lot to fight back with, but without a shepherd, we don't. Flesh and blood, fighting the spiritual, you know, the Bible says that Satan's the god of this world right now. Flesh and blood fighting Satan, lose. It's just like sheep. You know, wolves come. And that was the thing that the shepherd did. The shepherd, for one, the role of a shepherd had a few things. The the role of a shepherd was to guide the sheep and show them, you know, kind of corral them and where to go, but also to protect them and to fend off wolves because wolves would just come in and divide the sheep and eat them. Tasty meals sheep. So Jesus saw people, and because they related very much, you know, David was a shepherd and loved 
God's people too because he related in that mentality of loving and caring for sheep so much. Um, so he was seeing that and just saying, wow, they are just as helpless. And the shepherd is Jesus. So it says, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is truly plentiful. Now the harvest, what's the harvest here? The people. The harvest is, he's looking at the multitude. That He's looking at that as the harvest. He's saying, again, agricultural you know, world. He's looking at the harvest and saying, there's so many people that have a need. But he's also saying, that there's so many people that are hungry, too. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I used to look at the world oftentimes. Well, for, there's a few things, because I think I've definitely changed the way that I looked at the world, because I used to look at the world as being everybody are the together people. When I was, when I didn't know Jesus, and I was, you know, I put a lot of effort into wearing a mask of pretending that I was together, that everything was good, that I didn't have problems, because I wanted to fit in. And what I looked at, the world looked like, wow, everybody's got the perfect life except me. And so I looked at it just the opposite. I didn't see needs. I was just like, why would they, you know, nobody needs anything. So it's one thing that sort of changed a lot in my heart. Um, you know, it's funny how many people walk around thinking that, thinking I'm the only one that feels this way. I'm alone of feeling rejected or less than enough or the shaming voices or the harsh voices and thinking, gosh, it looks like all those pretty perfect people that look like they're in magazines and they drive fancy cars. And do you know what I mean? Like, it looks like they all have these lives. And but there are so many people. You know, it's funny that, that are hurting and don't see it. I see it now all the time. I mean, between this job and my acting teacher job, you know, I get, the thing is, is I get into, even in, in you know, acting classes, you'd think there's all the pretty people and everything. But, um, when you get, you know, when people get into it, it's just like, the, their people hurt. Why do people get to be actors? Because they feel like crap about themselves. And they want people to love them. <laughs> I mean, you know, all these glitzy people. There's a book called um, The Dark Side of Leadership. It was so, such a powerful book. And it talks about some of these powerful people that are, you know, like me mega mogul people. And it's interesting because it talks about how much people are driven to great success because of something lacking within. And when you see it, when people get there and get all the success or all the money or all the fame, they still feel crappy about themselves. If you're trying to fill it with those external things, it's still going to feel empty. And you see that all the time. People spend years, you know, I see it with the acting stuff, but in business, and it tells all these stories, and oftentimes if people didn't get healed or get some kind of healing, these people crashed and burned. They had success, but it didn't last. So they were driven to it, got there, nothing got healed, and they went, <laughs> big explosions. Like, think about, I mean, even in Christian ministry, you know, the PTL club and 
Jimmy and or Jim Baker and Tammy Faye and all the, you know, I mean, you just talk about them, powerful situations, even some Bible-believing people here um, kind of thing. But it happens in business. So it's funny because we're looking at, you ever see people, now I see, because I deal with casting directors all the time, and sometimes they're, when I first meet them, I hope, oh, this is going to be on tape, huh? Okay. <laughs> okay, no, it's okay, it's okay. Sometimes I'll see people. <laughs> and these are people that I do business with. They're people that cast movies and TV shows. They win Emmys. They're very successful people. And they'll be really, they'll come off, I'll meet them the first time, and they'll seem really mean, you know, and they'll come up, and they do these workshops for my actors, and the actors are like, wow, that person was scary, you know, like, um, you know, because they're just super shut down or guarded or what have you. You know what I know now because of seeing the healing of Jesus Christ? Is I know that they're hurting. If they're mean, they're hurting. And I've seen it. I have just because of God's love and because I've got Jesus filling me up, I'll see people that are mean and I'm just like, oh, that poor person, that they feel like they have to protect themselves. You know, I see guards, and I'm just like, wow, they got to be hurting to feel like they got to fend everybody off and be so angry. And I just give love bombs, man. I just love them with Jesus. I'm just like oodles of love and just believing it's just going to spread the love. Just oodles of bombing them with love, believing it's getting through even if I don't see it. And it's been really interesting because we've had people, and I'm not seeing anything, but I'm just believing. I'm like, I know this love is just getting through. I just know it's like getting in there. And so when I get into it and love people, then I find out every single time these big, successful people, they're just needy and hurting. That is the truth behind why they're being so mean. When I first got saved and came to know Jesus, Jesus told me that the reason people were so mean to me is because they didn't know his love. Helped me to see the world differently, you know, to see that, that and I was like, oh, yeah. You know, this is, I love this perspective of Jesus looking and just saying, the harvest is plentiful means there are lots of people that not just need his love and not just have needs, but people that want it. I used to look at it that way, too, of just going, ah, nobody wants it. You know, I'm telling you, if you're just trying to shove the Bible down people's throats, they're probably not going to want that. You know, if you're trying to get people to change before they come to church, who wants that? You know, Jesus healed. He's a healer. It's like, come. All that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, Jesus says. Come with the burdens. Come with the cares. So, a lot of people that have needs and want help right now it says, but the laborers are few. Most people are so wrapped up in their own lives and their own needs and immediate gratification. How can I be happy? There's not many people signing up to say, I want to make a difference. I want to help. Jesus was looking and his heart was hurting that there were so many people hurting. And his only, I'll tell you, when he was doing his ministry here on earth, he could only be one place at one time. Even Jesus couldn't reach every person on earth while he's walking the face of the earth. But he was saying, the laborers, the people that say, yes, Lord, send me. I want to make a difference. I want my life to count. I want to help. 
There ain't that many of those. It's a rare thing. So then what he says is, therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send laborers out. This is something we want to all be praying for. We want to pray to say, Lord, how can I be there? How can I sow in? How can I be a laborer? How can I help make a difference? Each of us individually, maybe we cannot change the world, but we can change the world around us, the people. We can make an impact in the world and the people around us. We can. God has given each and every one of us the capacity, the gifts, the calling to make a difference to heal. I don't want to stand idly by and see somebody crying and heartbroken and not do anything about it. And we want to pray, and I'm asking you to pray for more laborers of people that want to say, yes, I want to make a difference. I'm asking that for my birthday prayer list. I'm having a birthday celebration uh, next week because guess why I'm doing it? Because I want to get people to pray. So I'm buying lunch that you will pray. <laughs> I've decided that, I, you know what I love about birthdays? You get to ask for what you want. I mean, you don't have, people don't have to give it, right? But you get to at least ask, right, on your birthday. It's like my birthday. It's my party, you know. So, um, so I've gotten conniving for God's purposes. Where every year I've got to come up with some new way to to see what I can do to help people move towards coming to know God and getting closer. So this, this uh, birthday we're having, if you don't know, we're having um, a celebration next week at church. Um, and I'm just asking people to pray for seven days. If you haven't gotten the list, it's on Facebook and on the email. If you're not on our email list, let me know. We'll add you. Or fill out a connection card. We'll add you to it. Just let me know on the connection card you haven't gotten the invitation, we'll send you the prayer list. Uh, so I would love it. And please tell me if you're praying. I, I'd like hearing about it, too. That blesses me a lot. Um, of seven days of prayer, and one of the things that I am passionate about that I'm asking prayer for is for the Lord to send more laborers, that there will be more people to say, here I am, Lord, send me. Um, the other thing you can do is bring somebody next week. Bring a friend, because I'm going to teach on grace and they're going to they're gonna get blessed because grace is pretty exciting. Um, you could tell them that there's lunch. Uh, <laughs> we're having it catered, so, uh, uh, so anyway. Let's go to um, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 14. This is another one. So I love... Don't you just love that section of scripture? The harvest is plenteous, the laborers are few. Pray. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 14, it says, For the love of Christ compels us. Oh, I just love that one. You know what compels means? Drives you forward. The way that this is supposed to work is that Christ and his love for us is just so fired up in our hearts and our soul that it drives us to want to make a difference. I feel that. I, total, I have never known anything like his love in my whole life. It healed my life. I have never known unconditional life, love ever like it. And, and there isn't anything like it. 
It says, for the love of Christ compels us. Compels us to what? Drives us forward to what? It says, because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And if he died for all, that those should live, should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Look at that. It, it drives us that we don't want to live for our own selves, for just like what makes me feel good, for in the immediate gratification. Now, I know this sounds really weird, but giving, giving your life for him is actually more fun than living it for yourself. I know it's, it's paradoxical. It doesn't make any sense until you try it. When you try it, you're like, ooh, that's true. We have typically, most of the time we feel like, I got, like we have a hoarder mentality. Hoarder with our time, with our talent, you know, like, oh, I got to, you know, oh, I can't give up my time. Oh, you know, like where I've spent time doing that, chasing like, I remember this is one of the, you know, it's funny, like there's certain turning points in life. Um, I remember I was looking through my phone book back in the days that people had phone books. Uh, like little hand phone book. And I was looking, and I, I remember one day I was looking going, gosh, who would be fun for me to hang out with? This is, you know, in my 20s or something. It's like, who would, who would I be, like to have fun with? And I was looking going, ah, that person's an idiot. And it's like, oh, that's a cool person. You know, I was just trying to think of, I'm in the mood to have some fun tonight. I want to go have fun. I'm, you know, I was like early 20s or something. I was like, oh, I'm, you know, I got to have a good time. I really need a good time. I really need to have a night out and some fun, and I need this, and blah, blah, blah. And you could just feel like, you know, and I was doing that, like, all the time at that time. Like, pretty much every day was like, what do I need? What do I need to have make me happy? And I heard God speak, what about doing something for somebody else? I was just like, ugh. Oh. I just hadn't, like, it's just sort of like the thinking of just like, me, what makes me happy? Me, 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 you know. And God was just like, what about thinking about how you could bless somebody tonight? And I just, I remember I cried I, like this, you know. It was a long time ago, but I still like, it's like pierced to the heart, you know, in a good way. So I was just like, because I've been on this thing where I was always doing everything of what, what I needed, what would make me happy, and... You know, I work hard. You know, I worked a lot of hours. So it's just like, well, I have to have fun where I can have fun. And, you know, so I looked through my phone book and I saw this person that I was like, oh, the least pay favorite person I could ever think of being with. Like, nobody wanted to talk to this guy. Like, he just had no friends and he was just like the biggest, you know, just like, uh, it was, you know, people avoid, you know, the people you avoid sometimes, you know, you're just going, please don't let me sit next to them at lunch. You know, if there's a group going out, he was one of those people. And uh, so I called, and of course he didn't have anything to do, so. <laughs> that wasn't a surprise. So, uh, but I felt like God was telling me that that's where I needed to be. So I went over, and I was just put my mind focused to bless him. And I prayed and he, that night, and he accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord. It was like a really, I just told him about the love of Jesus and how Jesus loved him just the way he was. And he didn't have to do anything for it and how it was free. And he, this is a guy that was really stoic. I think he was an engineer or something. And uh, like, you know, but not, not the cool engineers like we have here, but the. <laughs> 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 
you know, <coughs> in Silicon Valley, but um, it's just super shut down, antisocial guy. So he wasn't the crying kind of person, and he just cried as I talked to him about Jesus and his love, and I said, would you like to get to know Jesus today? He said, yeah, and, and, and get saved. And so I read him Romans 10.9, and he got saved, and we prayed. It was one of the most magical, amazing nights of my life. It was way better than going out to some club. You know, and it was refreshing, not depleting. You know, that's the thing that's in, it's, that's so paradoxical about giving of your life in that way. Anyway, it says that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. What does it mean to regard people to the flesh? That's what I was doing with my phone book. Who are the cool people? Oh, that guy's a dweeb, you know. According to the flesh. Or the other thing, according to the flesh, is they don't have any needs. They're rich people. They got fancy car. They don't need Jesus. <clears throat> they got it all together. They're mean. They don't need Jesus. They're guarded. They don't need Jesus. It says... Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Amen to that. Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Right now, you have been given the ministry of reconciliation. You're going, I don't want it. You know, God didn't give it to us to be a burden, you know, because God's good like that and loving like that. The ministry of reconciliation is a huge thing that God has given every single person. What is it anyway? Let's maybe say that first. Reconciling is bringing back together. It's reconciling people back to God. So it's how do we, that we're all been given the ministry of how can we bring people closer to Jesus? Now maybe, I like to think, you know, the thing that helps me, is sometimes there's a scale, like I wish I had a little chart, but anyway, you know, where maybe people are at zero in knowing Jesus, just don't know Jesus, never met him, never, didn't hear much, you know, and it's just sort of like how can we bring them closer to know Jesus, and then zero, maybe it's zero to ten on one side, but some people are at minus ten, like I hate Jesus, I hate Christians, maybe that's where they're at. Somebody was really mean and judgmental to me, so maybe it's bringing people, maybe, how you're reconciling is getting people from minus 10 to those Christians are the most hateful, horrible people on the planet to maybe they're at minus 5 or minus 2. Well, maybe the Christians aren't so hideous. Maybe that's, you know, that's bringing people, here's Jesus, here's where we are at. And honestly, all of us got to get closer to Jesus. There's nobody that's, I'm here with Jesus. <laughs> I am Jesus. I'm like his... You know, they just clone Jesus, and here I am. Nobody's there. So we're all in the process. So all of us are, how can we move closer to Jesus so it's a continuum, it's an ongoing process. So all of us have the ministry of helping one another to move closer to Jesus, wherever that is. Where we're looking and going, I want to help. I want to help bring people. Sometimes it's an introduction. You know, I want to introduce you to somebody. He really loves you a lot. He really wants to hang out with you. So he's given us the ministry of reconciliation in verse 19. 
That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. That's, again, guys, how do you reconcile? It's not by pointing out sins. It's not about that we're not in the world to clean up sin. Tell people, you got to live straight. No. Not, not imputing their sins. But it committed to us the word of reconciliation. And then it says, now then. When? Now. When? Now. Now what? Now. <laughs> now then. We are ambassadors. Not just the ambassador program are the ambassadors. Every single person in this room is an ambassador. That's fancy. Ambassador, we represent, whether we're doing a good job or not, we're representing, you know. There's some cr crummy ambassadors out there, aren't there? What are those crazy people that pick at the funerals of the gay? You know, those are some crazy ambassadors. It's a slug. But God has called us to be representatives, to represent. Now, you know what's funny is a lot of times people do think that this means getting your act together, so that means you've got to pretend that things are good when they're not. Come on, really? How does that represent what Jesus is about? It doesn't help anybody do anything. I mean, one of the reasons that, like in our vision statement, is that to make it safe so that there can be healing. If you can't even talk about something, you're not going to be able to get any healing in it. There's so much shame. So guess what we're representing? What we're representing is that I needed a savior. It's being open and honest about the things that we struggle and the messy stuff so that you can let that love in and that grace in that we're going to be talking about next week. You can represent by just going, I need Jesus. I don't have it all together. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who, who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Let's just go. There's a couple more, Jesus. I have to, to talking too much. Isaiah 61 and verse 1. And again, if you think about that we are representing him, take a look at Jesus' mission because this is also, in, in representing him, should be a, uh, our mission as well. In, in Isaiah 61, verse 1, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is a prophecy about the coming of Jesus that he um, quoted, actually, in his ministry. Because the Lord has appointed me to preach the good tidings to the poor. He sent me to heal brokenhearted. Not just physical healing. Jesus came to heal the heart. To proclaim freedom, liberty to the captives. Not put people captive. Freedom for those that are captive. It says, and opening the prison to those that are bound. Many of us have experienced that. Where we've been in different prisons. Prisons of not being able to be who we are. Prisons of not being able to share how we feel. Prisons of being afraid to love and to care about others. Prisons of shame and guilt. 
where Jesus said he'd open the prison. This is what Jesus came to bring, and that's why we want to reconcile people to him so that they can get this. We don't do the healing. We just bring them to Jesus where they can get this. In John 10.10, it says, here's another one of why we want to bring people closer to him. It says, the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. That's Satan. I have come, Jesus said, that they might have life. That word life in the Greek is the word zoe, which is not just alive and breathing. It is fullness of life. That's what the word zoe means in the Greek. Fullness of life. It says that they might have fullness of life and that they might have it more abundantly. That word abundantly in Greek is perisos, which means over and above, exceeding, abundantly, extraordinary, surpassing, supremely, more excellent life. Jesus said he came for that. That's what Jesus is about. Jesus can do that. He's willing to do that. So we want to bring people to come to know him so that they can have the fullness of life and have it more abundantly, over and above, exceeding. He has done that for me. I absolutely, my life is ridiculously fabulous. It is. It is ridiculously fabulous. I pinch myself almost all day long. How on God, how did I, I didn't deserve this life. Absolutely did not deserve this life. I came from, I shouldn't even be alive. From the lowest of low. I should be in a mental hospital. Severely, physically, and sexually abused as a child. And Jesus Christ healed my life. Not so much that I'm just surviving I'm not on meds. I'm not saying anything about meds. I'm just saying, you know, it's a miracle. It is, I absolutely believe it's a miracle that I have been healed by Jesus Christ. And my life is this, it is, this Zoe. It's this Parisos. It's exceeding abundantly ridiculous. I have amazing friends. I, 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 I feel fulfilled in what I do. I'm excited about every day. I have a very sexy husband that I love and been in love with for 13 years. It's great to be in love after 13 years and, yeah, ridiculous life. Jesus Christ, that's why we want to bring people to know Jesus. We are ambassadors now. The harvest is plenteous. There are people that want him. They just don't even know it yet. People that want answers, that want help, even if they don't seem like it, and they seem like all hard and shut down. That there's our people. But their laborers are few. So we want to pray for the laborers. We want to pray for more laborers. We want to pray to be the person that makes a difference as well. Amen. I'm going to have, uh, I'm going to pray. I've got a couple of things. Next week, please, if you want to, because you don't want anybody hear God speak or tickle your, speak to your heart a little bit today. You don't want to just sit on it and then forget and tomorrow's a new day and you forgot everything. Um, you want to do something with it. So, if you would like to help with my birthday prayer list, that would be awesome. Seven days of prayer. Uh, there's four things that I'm asking prayer for. And then, um, and then also bring somebody next week. Wouldn't that be fun? Everybody brought somebody next week. That's not even our big day, but might as well. There's lunch. Anyway, so let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your goodness and your grace. Help us to be 
to not have tunnel vision, you know, to not be about whatever is in front of us at this moment, but to care, to see that there are people that are weary and scattered and that we want to help, Lord. Help us to have a fire to help and a passion to help and to know that you will be there for us in it as well as the fact that you will be there for them, that you can change lives. You have changed our lives. Um, and help us to pass on what we've received. Even if, even if there's still a lot of healing to do in our lives right now, we can still pass on healing. You know, even if it's just the beginning of our healing journey, we can pass on the message that you do heal. That can change lives. Help us, Lord, to be fired up about that. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.